This week on Together for Salem. It's hard to actually love the way we know we want to. See, as parents, we want to get it right. Like, we don't want to scar our kids in the millions of ways we probably could scar them. And if you're a kid, you you want to be a good kid. Like, you want your parents to be happy with you. But they make it so hard, don't they, those parents, right? So how do we enjoy healthy families, no matter what stage we're in, whether we're the parent or the kid or the grandparent or whatever? And the answer is going to seem, surprise, surprise, illogical until you actually put it into consistent practice. episode this week. Today, this week, we're talking about family and our logical book series. But before we pass you on to John, we just wanted to welcome you. Welcome form. Online, easy way to say hi and let us know you're here. You could earn a free e-gift card. You can also request a free Bible, ask for prayer, or join a small group. Okay, here's John. We'll come back on the other side to announce our giveaway winner and a few more pieces of news. Hey, you wanna see three people that I love quite a bit? Look at this. They're so cute, right? Yeah, all right, you try to live with them. See, I used to be a, a parenting expert, and then I had a kid, and I realized I don't, I don't know very much. And then I had another kid, well, my wife had the kids, I was there for support. And I realized, oh wow, I'm, wow, all those things I used to kind of judge other parents about, you know what I'm talking about. I'm realizing I was kind of a jerk. And then I had a third kid, my wife had a third kid. And I was like, wow, this is hard stuff. And kids are cute and they're fun. But man, families <laughs> are hard. They, like, you love them so much and they're just so sweet. And then they wake up. And they're little joys and you just want to snuggle them and kiss them and then they learn how to talk and they learn how to talk back. It's a weird fact, isn't it, that it can be difficult to choose to love the people you love the most. It's family, right? It can be difficult to choose to love the people you love the most. And when we say love, as we've been talking about in this illogical love series, love's not what we usually think it is, right? It's not those feelings. It's not the, oh, I just, just want to snuggle, or I, wanna, I just want to be with them all the time, or they make me feel so good. We're not talking about that kind of love and the, and the butterflies and the Twitter-pated and stuff. See, that's not real love. What we've been seeing is real love is prioritizing a person over our personal priorities. Prioritizing a person over our personal priorities, that's what love is. And often it's illogical. It feels illogical. It seems illogical because it goes against our natural instincts of self-preservation of making sure we are taken care of first so that we can then take care of others. 
This type of love, Jesus' love, is often illogical, especially when we bring it to the whole family idea. It's hard to actually love the way we know we want to. See, as parents, we want to get it right. Like We don't want to scar our kids in the millions of ways we probably could scar them. And if you're a kid, you you want to be a good kid. Like You want your parents to be happy with you and proud with you. But they make it so hard, don't they, those parents, right? So how do we enjoy healthy families? No matter what stage we're in, whether we're the parent or the kid or the grandparent or whatever, how do we enjoy healthy families? That's what we're going to talk about in this episode. And the answer is going to seem, surprise, surprise, illogical until you actually put it into consistent practice. And the Apostle Paul kind of tells, he doesn't kind of, he tells us the answer in a letter that he wrote to Jesus followers in the Roman city-state of Ephesus. He's called the letter to the Ephesians or the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. And at the beginning of a section where he's going to talk about different relationships, he kind of lays down the rule for every Jesus-following relationship. And here's, here's what he says. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's laying that down kind of as the, the groundwork, the rule for every Jesus-following relationship. Submission. Like we said in the last episode, submission is giving all of me for what benefits you the most. That's submission. I know it can sound like a, a mean or harsh word, but really all it means is giving all of me for what benefits you the most. And Paul's writing that submission idea to Jesus followers, specifically in what we're going to look at today, Jesus following families. And so good news, if you're not a Jesus follower, you wouldn't claim that title. You're off the hook from what Paul says. You don't have to do any of it. In fact, none of the New Testament writings or even the Old Testament writings assume that people who haven't followed Jesus should follow the rules that are applied to Jesus followers. So if you're not a Jesus follower, I'm not telling you what to do at all. Paul's not telling you what to do at all. But I would advise that this stuff works. I think it could make your family a little happier and a little more peaceful. But that's up to you. You can take it or leave it. Now, if you're not a parent, I would say start learning to swim now. Right? You don't want to have to learn to swim as soon as you get thrown into the pool. And so if you're planning to have kids, I think this episode could be really helpful. Kind of start thinking through some things. And if you never want to have kids or, or kids aren't really in your future, that's okay. We are not saying that kids are the ultimate way to exist and that you can never really know love unless you have a kid. No, we're not saying that. But it is this relationship that I think that if we dissect it and look at it, it could help all other relationships. And if you have parents or had parents... I think this can help also. And so what we're going to look at is what does submission, this submission that we talked about, give me all of me for what benefits you the most. What does this look like in the family dynamic? And so Paul starts with children. And he says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. So children submit and create a healthy family. Children submit by obeying their parents. I know it's groundbreaking, right? Children submit by obeying their parents. Now, if you look at the Greek of the word obey, okay, because it's been misused maybe. If you look at the Greek of the, what obey means, you know what it means? It means obey. There's no wiggle room, sorry. In fact, the, the word is obey. And so basically Paul's saying, if it's not sin, 
if it's not abusive, and that's a whole nother issue, we're not talking about abusive relationships or abusive families, but if it's not sin, you do it, you obey. And you're probably thinking, why should I? Why should we do that? Why should we obey them? Like, you don't, you don't know my parents because it's not about your parents. Paul says to obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. See, if you are a Jesus-following kid, offspring, you obey because, not because your parents, but because you belong to Jesus. You are showing Jesus' love by how you obey. Your submission to your parents shows how much you trust God who purposely chose those people, that person, to be in authority over you. Think about that. It's not an accident that you have the parents you have. In God's infinite wisdom, he chose for those people, that person, to be your parent. In the last episode, we said our level of submission shows our level of trust. So if you trust God, then you will choose to submit. You'll trust that he knows what he's doing. And so this submission, this obedience, has nothing to do with whether it's earned or not. It has nothing to do with whether your parents are being fair or not. And it doesn't even have to do with if they're right or not. That's not the point. It's about obeying Jesus. And Paul says, this is the right thing to do. Meaning like, it's exactly how God designed it to be. God's design, the right thing to do. Not like, well, do this or you'll be punished. But the right thing, the, the perfect design that God has for us is for children to obey their parents. And you're thinking, because you're not saying out loud because they might hear you. You're thinking, but you don't know my parents. Well, I do know some of them and I understand. But I might not know your parents. But God does. And he gave you those parents. And you can trust him that obeying them will actually be good for you. In fact, think about it. That's what Jesus did, right? Jesus, who is 100% God and 100% human, had parents. His parents were uneducated teenagers. He was God, and he still obeyed them. Why? Because it wasn't about their worth or their smarts or their, or their fairness. It was about trusting God and loving others. And he wanted to show that to the world. And so he obeyed his parents. But obedience is so much more than just actions. See, true obedience, true submissive obedience, Jesus following obedience is also the attitude. Because Paul goes on. It says, honor your father and mother. It's actually one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother, meaning hold them in the highest esteem. It's a, this honor is a respect that causes, causes voluntary obedience. You respect them so much that you volunteer to obey them. See, when we look at obeying, it's like submitting in your actions. But honor is submitting in your attitude. Honor is having an attitude of submission. Love means submitting an attitude and action. See, you can obey and do what you're told, without honoring, right? Especially as you're doing this distance learning or you've been shut in because of an ice storm, you can obey and go, ah, oh, fine, I'll do it. And that's not honoring, right? That's not real obedience. Honor is, okay, because you say so, I'll, I'll do it. Love means submitting in attitude and action. See, Jesus obeyed and honored his parents. He wasn't like, hey, I know what you're thinking and you're, you're a jack wagon and you don't know what you're talking about because I'm God. 
No, Jesus obeyed and honored his parents, even though he did know better than them. And this honor, this obey, really is the Jesus follower's rule, despite how old you are and how far away you live from your parents. We'll get to that even more in a second. But Paul goes even more in depth. He says, "This is uh, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment, one of the Ten Commandments, with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. So is that saying that, you know, good kids live longer and bad kids die early? No, not at all. That's not what it's saying. It's kind of this idea that obedience creates self-discipline, right? You learn how to control yourself. You learn how to respect authority. You learn wisdom. It brings a stability to life, which generally gives people happier, longer lives. So kids, do you want a good life? Obey your parents, especially, especially when you think they are wrong. Adult kids, do you want a good life? Obey your parents, especially when you, or honor your parents, especially when you think they are wrong. It's not logical, but it works. Especially teenagers, if you're watching this, try this out. Even if they already know that you're about to do it because they're watching with you. When you disagree with them and they're telling you to do something, say this, I disagree. It's okay to disagree right? Disagreeing is fine. You're your own human. You can disagree. Say, I disagree, but I'm choosing to obey and honor you because I trust Jesus. (laughs) I know it seems crazy, but it will work. At very least, it will make them stop and think about that decision they're making because they'll be like, well, wow, that's, am I being as mature as my kid right now and listening to Jesus? I disagree and that's okay, but I choose to obey and honor you because I follow Jesus. Try it. And there's no age limit to this. Like I said, adult children, do you want a good life? Well, honor and respect your parents, especially if you have kids. So honor and respect your parents and let your kids see you do it. Let them see you treat your parents the way you want them to treat you when you're older. Example, like call your parents. Have your kids know that you're calling your parents to check in on them or to just tell them how much you love them or to see how their day was. Let your kids interact with your parents. Talk well about them, even when they're not in the room. And don't put a bunch of rules on your parents on, and use your kids as leverage, that type of thing. Yes, there's boundaries, but don't use your kids as leverage to get them to do what you want them to do. And don't just use your parents for what, what they can give you. Honor them. See, if you want your kids to ignore you and dread visiting you someday, then by all means, treat your parents the same way because that's what will happen. It's the whole cats in the cradle thing, right? So Paul talks to the kids of all ages, and then he goes for the harder job, really. He talks to parents. Fathers. When he says fathers, he's meaning parents. It applies to all parents. But in the New Testament writings, in the Old Testament writings, but in the New Testament writings, there is this emphasis on fathers. And I think the reason, one of the reasons is in the kingdom of God, in Jesus' kingdom, the responsibility, the heavier responsibility is always on the leader. And there's this idea that the father is somehow the, the leader of the family. So he has this bigger responsibility. And I think it has to go with this idea of why God chose to identify himself as our father. See, there, there's something there. There's something about fathers that God says, look, this needs to be a picture of how I love my children. You as a father need to be a picture to your family of how God loves them. 
And I think often when we say something like that, people who maybe don't have fathers in their lives or are single parents or don't have fathers for their kids or that type of thing, they think that they're doing something wrong or that they're, they're, they're bad. Or if they have a bad father, then, then they're messed up. Or if they, their kids have a bad father, then their kids are going to be messed up. This still applies to the mom. And even if you have a horrible father or don't have a father, you do actually have an even greater father. You still have your father, God, who loves you and can be there for you and, and be that example for you. And so with this whole father idea, there's a lot of responsibility on the parents. And so Paul first tells us what not to do. He says, do not, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Do not provoke, do not exasperate, do not embitter, do not aggravate or infuriate. Basically, don't be an a- See, we can make it impossible for our kids to obey us, to, to honor us. We can stack the deck against them by, by provoking them to anger. You've probably experienced this with a parent or maybe an authority figure like a teacher or something. Examples of this, of exasperating or provoking your kids to anger, would be focusing all your parenting on rule following instead of training them on how to love others. They are in trouble because they broke the rule, not because they hurt somebody. Or, having, or being, uh, having hypocrisy or double standards in your parenting, it's like yelling at them and then punishing them when they do the same to you. Don't yell at me! <laughs> well, you're still yelling at them, right? Or disciplining for personality difference or personal preferences. Maybe you're an outgoing person, but your kid's shy, or, or you're quiet and your kid's loud, and so you force them to be like you. Well, uh, the wisest king, Jewish king who ever lived, Solomon, actually wrote, bring up your children in the way they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. But the idea, bring up the, them in the way they should go, meaning every kid has their own personality, their own God-given personality. And so it's the parent's job to learn their kid, learn who their kid is, and raise them to be who God made them to be, to honor their personality that God gave them. Another way to provoke is overprotection never letting them learn for themselves, or constant criticism, never actually complimenting them, but always having something they need to work on or fix, or a lack of affection. This is one that can be hard for me, like making them feel like a burden, right? Especially when they're younger. Oh my gosh, really you need me to go do that for you again? Or always lecturing and never giving them a chance to talk, never listening, belittling them when they mess up. What were you thinking? Or how could you be so dumb to do that? Even when they're a kid, they kind of are dumb, right? It's not their fault. Or that heavy-handed discipline where the punishment does not fit the crime and you just bring the hammer down every single time. What a great way to provoke your children to anger, to make it impossible for them to honor you. See, you know you can't force true honoring obedience. We constantly try to force kids to obey. They will never honor us. And if you look at this passage that Paul wrote, the responsibility of obedience is on the kid. It never said, parents, force your kids to obey you. Did it? No, the earlier part was for the kids. Children, obey your parents. But parents do their part in raising good kids and raising respectful kids by submitting their lives to their children. Remember, Paul said, submit to each other. He's talking to the parents, submitting to the kids, too. Super offensive in first century Roman society because the father was 
I mean, he was the king of the castle, right? He had his, he had his family and his word was law for the family. They were his property. But Jesus changed that. Like I said, the leader has more responsibility in Jesus' kingdom. The emphasis is on protecting the weaker. With you, if, with greater responsibility, with greater power, comes greater responsibility, right? That comes from Jesus' kingdom. And so Paul says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, or the opposite of this is, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. See, parents submit by giving up their daily lives for what benefits their, their children's lives the most. Parents submit by giving up their daily lives for what benefits their children's lives the most. It says bring up. It's this idea of steady nourishment, of providing for their physical and spiritual development, which does involve correction. It doesn't mean you just let your kids go off and be crazy and and hurt themselves and that type of stuff. No, it, it involves correction, and the wording there is discipline, correcting them. And the levels of each of those of providing for their physical and spiritual development, that those, those kind of switch and, and change as they get older. What this bringing up is, what this submitting to your kids, your life, submitting your life to your kids, means giving up your preferences, giving up your comforts, giving up your desires, and giving away your time, your energy, and your attention. That's hard. This is not an easy gig. This is a hard life to live, of giving up your preferences, of giving away your time, your energy, and your attention. And Paul, see, Paul's not just talking about just teaching Bible facts to his, your kids, and he's, or just making sure they, they obey the rules. That's easy, and that's not really parenting. He's talking about the formation of a mature, responsible human that chooses to trust and love God and love others as they love themselves. This bringing up a steady nourishment of learning how to do that. And it's rarely lecturing, and it is definitely not just sending your kids to Sunday school once a week. It involves modeling. It means a daily modeling, an authentic life lived in front of your kids. Showing them that God is who He says He is and will do what He says He will do. It comes, I think it comes in rhythms and it's a spontaneous thing where you have a daily rhythm of prayers, and we'll talk about that in a second, of praying with them and, and talking to them and, and sharing life with them, but also using spontaneous things to teach them and show, oh man, I am like sharing maybe what you're worried about in, you know, within a reason, not making them freak out about the world, but sharing your, I'm, you know, I'm kind of worried about this and will you pray with me and we can take our, our worries to God? Or, you know, you, you're going to help somebody take your kid with you to help them. Or it might mean apologizing when you do provoke them to anger and saying, I was wrong. Will you, will you forgive me? I, I should not be that type of parent. I want to be a better parent for you because I love you so much. With, <laughs> our daughter is pretty, um, she knows what she wants when she wants it. And she feels a lot of feelings. And my wife is so good with her because... Our, our daughter will kind of kind of just get all those feelings and those kind of explode. And my wife just says, I know it's hard. They kind of have a similar personality. I know it's hard. And they just kind of talk it out together. Knowing your kid and being willing to use those moments, not to just punish and, and discipline, but to teach and to train and to model. Think about it. Parents, if our kids don't see Jesus making a difference in our life, why would they think he could make a difference in their life? 
how have we shown how Jesus makes a difference in our lives during the hard times we've been going through? Have we been complaining about restrictions or, or no electricity? Or have we been modeling a trust in God, a trust that he knows what he's doing, and our job is to trust him and love others through it? What have we been modeling for our families? And so how do we do this? How do I kind of bring all these ideas together and actually make some, like, get our family submitting to each other? Well, this might not be perfect, but I have a family submission plan for for all of us, if you're willing to accept it. A family submission plan. It starts with evaluation. Evaluate. How are you doing? How are you doing in this submission idea? Part of evaluating is kind of weighing yourself and what you've been doing with what the New Testament says. So read 1 John, read 1 John 4, 7 through 12, which says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. We can love love others through Jesus' love. Jesus can love others through us. And so kids, evaluate. Am I obeying and honoring this week? Have I been an obedient and honoring kid? Parents, ask yourself as you evaluate, if you read that, am I provoking or am I bringing up? What is my knee-jerk reaction? To provoke and just get more angry and escalate the situation or to bring up and train? If you really want to get the gold star for this one, ask the other how you're doing. Ask your kids, how do you feel like I provoke you or, or train you? And kids, ask your parents, have I been obedient and honoring to you? And then be willing to be honest and, and don't punish the kids for being honest. So family submission plan, evaluate. And then once you have a true estimation of what you've been doing, pray. Say, Holy Spirit, please empower me to submit in my family, submit in my relationships. See this really on the deeper level, it can be impo- it is impossible on your own to really consistently live this way. It's, if you try to do it all by yourself, you might work, it might work for a while and at certain times, but it'll be exhausting. And it'll be, it'll be frustrating to be who your family needs you to be, to submit in this way. You need to be filled with, you need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, which then really takes the pressure off because you say, Spirit, help me, help me do this. Love through me. And then you don't have to fake it and muster it up and try really hard. You just let the Holy Spirit of God love others through you. So evaluate, pray, and then create a rhythm for you musicians. A rhythm, right? You got those regular beats, but you can improvise kind of in in between the beats and everybody's on the same page. Create a regular rhythm for your family, which might be, for, for us, it's reading some scripture or a devotion at the same time every day we do it at breakfast because our kids are little and it works for us but have this rhythm of your life where you're reading scripture together 
We'll have some examples in the notes of different devotions you can use as a family if you want. A regular rhythm of praying for us, again, we because our kids are little, we tell them goodnight, we read to them, and then we, we pray with them every night. And it's nothing fancy. We don't, because I work for a church, doesn't mean I have all these fancy prayers. It's often very similar to the same thing every night. But it's this rhythm of being together and then communicating, of saying, how was your day? What's going on? You know, is there anything you were worried about today? Or do you feel like I need to apologize for anything today? Have this rhythm in your family of this submission and this uh, nurturing and bringing up. And if you have adult children or you are the adult child and you don't have kids, you can still have this rhythm with your adult children or your, your older parents. Call them. Call them regularly, once a week, once a day. And ask, how can I pray for you? Don't you know, tell them what they did wrong when they're bringing you up and say, I love you. How are you doing? How can I pray for you today or this week? Have a rhythm with them. Think about it. What would that be like? If your family had a had this goal of submission, what would that be like? How would that change your today? How would that change your last week? How would that change your next year or your next 20 years? What would your next family vacation be like if everyone had the goal of submitting to everyone else? So families, commit to submit. It's illogical, but it's the difference between who you are and who you can be. Who your family is and who your family can be. The family you always wanted. See, families choose to love each other by choosing to submit to each other. tips on how families, kids included, can create a new rhythm. We have one more episode in our Illogical Love series coming out next Saturday, Saturday, so make sure to like and subscribe, blah blah blah, so you don't miss any of their new videos. Now, our giveaway. We're giving away 25 bucks to Danny's on the Green. People drop the comments on social media and on email. Our winner is Amy. Congratulations, Amy. We're, we gave out 25 bucks. No, this week we're giving out 25 this bucks. This week we're giving out 25 bucks to Nancy Joe's Burgers. Wow, talk about their fries. You can enter on social media or email us. We'll announce winners next Saturday. A few more things. Driving party next Sunday. 28th, 4.30. Check out the website to find more, out more, but we'd love to see you there. You can also bring your your donated luggage to donate to foster care to that event. Kids content online. Thanks for watching and see you next week. Bye-bye. Welcome to Cross Creek Community Church. How's everybody doing today? Yeah, a lot of ice, huh? How about that game? Woo! Well, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Today we're going to talk about God's plan for the family. Uh, maybe we'll get some interesting weather here in the next couple weeks of February. So hoping that's true. We're hoping. We'll see. All right, well, we'll here's some questions. You know what I meant to say? Was I hope that it snows. I would not wish an ice storm on my worst enemy.